So welcome everyone to a LinkedIn Live uh, hosted by Analytica. Um, this session, um, sorry, first of all, Happy New Year to you all. This session is talking about environmental sustainability, why it is important and how can brands make a difference. Uh, I'm the CEO of Analytica. We provide influence marketing and advocacy software to connect brands with influential experts. And you know, we have three wonderful influential experts today on the topic of sustainability. Uh, we have Sally Eaves, the CTO and Senior Policy Advisor at the Global Foundation for Cyber Studies and Research. Um, Sally, uh, or should I say Professor Sally um, Eaves has been described as the torchbearer for ethical tech and she's so passionate about the environment uh, and social impact. So uh, delighted to be joined by Sally. We've also got Craig Bennett, uh, the CEO of the Wild, uh, Wildlife Trust. Craig has been described as one of the UK's top environmental campaigners and by The Guardian as the very model of a modern eco-general and has been listed as one of the UK's top social media CEOs. Uh, so a really big voice uh, in the industry. And last but not least, we've got Offaly Yanis, the Senior Communications Manager at Siemens. So uh, Offaly has been uh, with Siemens for 15 years and uh, she started working on a first sustainability report nine years ago and ever since the environmental and social impact of companies have been at the uh, uh, very, very close to her heart. So I'm delighted to be joined by three extremely influential experts. And just before I get them to introduce themselves, I want to give you a tiny bit of a background um, into the stats here. I think everyone is aware you know, from the obviously the recent COP26 event of some of the stats, but Based on the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's uh, global analysis, that's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Um, the 10 warmest years on record have occurred since 2005, uh, and seven of the 10 have occurred uh, just since 2014. We're also seeing the amount of future warming uh, the Earth will experience depends on uh, obviously how much carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases we emit in coming decades. And uh, today our activities burning fossil fuels and clearing forests add about 11 billion metric tons of carbon to the atmosphere each year. So more and more brands are introducing sustainability and climate change initiatives. And more than 90% of today's CEOs believe that sustainability is essential to success. Uh, but only 60% of the uh, companies are actually adopting or believe that they're adopting sustainability uh, initiatives here. So there's obviously a big knowledge gap uh, and a knowledge um, uh, to doing gap from the companies. Um, so Onlytica published a report in October um, looking at six months of data in the lead up to COP26. And we analyzed 17.7 million posts uh, around sustainability, climate change, deforestation uh, and plastics. And you know, we looked at you know, which brands were, um, were seen as the leading brands in terms of the perception from consumers and which brands um, you know, weren't associated with the conversation at all. So the aim of the report was to highlight um, the perception um, of these brands as well as the top influential voices uh, in the report. So uh, I want to get straight on to um, introducing the actual uh, panel experts because they're the real experts talking about this really, really important subject. Um, so starting off with you, Sally, I wonder whether you could say a bit more about yourself and, and talk about why sustainability is a really important topic to you personally. 
Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Tim. And lovely to be joining the panel today. And um, hello to everyone. And Happy New Year as well. Great to be here. Um, so yeah, just by a little bit of background, I guess I would say I work across three pillars, really. So one would be obviously emerging technology, but also education and social impact. And I've always believed these three areas can interweave and support one another. Um, so my background is a CTO, now a more strategic advisor right across the whole range of tech disciplines and how we can bring those together. I'm also a professor, an author and a speaker, and I host some Tomorrow's Tech Today podcasts as well and that's very much building community and communication around these important themes as well um, i'd also say i look at how we look at technology um but all that underpins it to make that a reality as well and to actualize it with scale so that's things around culture and it's things around skills development too um, i also host and going back to your question about why this matters so much um i've got a non-profit um, and that's very much all around tech for good. And as part of that, we focus on both sustainability, but also diversity, equity and inclusion. I think there's a really interesting interplay across these as well. Um, so those are kind of my big drivers around that. Uh, for long as I can remember, you know, even being back to a kid doing projects in my local community, sustainability has been right up there. And I've always believed that we can bring these elements together to scale change. So for me, this combination, tech, education and impact, they're not siloed, they're not separate. We can integrate them for change. And I believe business can do well by doing good effectively and so a lot of the projects I'm involved in are really the enablement of that and making it a reality and giving people the skills confidence to get involved at the same time. Great fantastic Zoe thank you so much. Uh, over to you Craig. Yeah well uh, I'm uh, chief exec of the Wildlife Trusts as you were saying Tim and that's uh, really one of the largest sort of federations of nature organizations in the UK. 46 individual wildlife trusts uh, spread right across every part of the UK and the Isle of Man and Alderney as well. Collectively, we're one of the UK's biggest landowners. We have uh, more nature reserves than McDonald's has got restaurants in the UK. In fact, a thousand more. And we estimate that 60% of the British population are within a three mile walk or cycle ride of one of our reserves. Um, before that, I was uh, chief exec at Friends of the Earth in the UK as well. And I've had a long history of environmental campaigning. Uh, but I've also actually done a lot of work in executive education and with universities um, around this whole area of business and sustainability because it's always really fascinated me. So amongst other things, I'm an honorary professor of sustainability and innovation at Alliance Manchester Business School and a senior associate at the Cambridge Institute for Sustainability Leadership and a few other things here and there as well to keep me busy um, because I've just always found this area very, very interesting. So um, and why is sustainability important for me? Well, you know, it always has been really. I mean, even as a teenager, which is uh, quite a long time ago now, you know, I was really driven by the sense that surely this was a defining question of the 21st century. You know, if we if humans can't learn to live fairly within environmental limits during this next few decades ahead, then there's every chance, you know, our civilization won't continue. And and often sustainability or caring about the environment is people might think oh that's nice but what a shame it gets in the way of progress um to my mind it is the next step of human progress uh, learning to live fairly within environmental limits is the next step of human progress and i've not yet met anyone that can tell me what it is if it's not that uh, according to what the science says is very clear that we are heading so that's the way i look at it it's just the next step of human progress Great. No, that, that's uh, that's obviously it, it, extremely profound, and um, um, you're obviously a lot of uh, wonderful passion uh, that's uh, that's coming out already. Um, Offerly, uh, last but not least, over to you. 
yeah, I can really relate to what you what you said, Craig. I mean, as a millennial, I'm really driven by purpose, and I think my generation faces the realities of climate change. And I believe it's our responsibility as well to drive change and to have a meaningful impact. And I always felt I had to do my part. Um, so in my mid-20s, I realized that I could do that from the corporate world, that I could actually have an impact and start advocating from inside my company. And, um, you know, I could reconcile my passion, my purpose and my job. Um, so I was really I mean, back then I was working in the energy energy sector. And um, yeah, I was already really speaking up about sustainable development and I was lucky to have a boss who saw my passion or and who decided, you know, like uh, to empower me. And I was named pretty early on chairperson of the sustainability task force for a large energy company. And I started driving sustainability reporting across the organization. And I got the chance to work with teams of consultants um, on, you know, various ESG, ESG framework and how we can really monitor the impact of um, the company. And this was really mind-blowing for me because I realized that with all those frameworks and reporting, we could actually explain to all this team of engineers and CFOs and boards, what is sustainability? It's more than a word, you know, like it's data. And we were able to produce our first report with 125 KPIs related to sustainability. And for those, you know, who know me, they know I'm obsessed by data, but this is actually where it's coming from because we were able to, to make it tangible, to make it trackable, to make it measurable and year on year to really highlight the evolution of our operations. And we were able to create this language that people could understand within the company. So for me, yeah, that was one of the best experiences. And really that's how I saw sustainability as a way to reconcile my purpose. I mean, finding purpose and, you know, linking my passion with my job. Amazing. Thanks so much, Shoffley. Um, and I just wonder what I could um, come to you, uh, Craig, first, just to understand um, your thoughts on how the how the debate has changed over the last 18 months. You know, have you... Uh, how has the debate changed generally and and also have you seen any differences in social media and how that's changed recently yeah i mean i think what is fascinating is it was a, it wasn't long ago at all really that you still actually had quite a lot of of people out there denying that this was even a problem um and uh, or indeed uh, dismissing it you know so You've got to think that, first of all, you had to sort of the climate deniers, the people that are outright just denying it, and indeed some companies would do that. And, and then they felt that they couldn't do that, so they would dismiss it, which is slightly different. They wouldn't necessarily argue that it wasn't real, but they'd say it's not as important as something else or you need action here. Then there's been the kind of attempts to kind of say, well, your solutions to this crisis are not right. Um, uh, you know, we need uh, we need to move slower. We can't we can't get to net zero. We have got to go this way. We've got to be pragmatic about how we do this. By which they mean not do very much. Um, and there's those. That's how the argument sort of evolved. I think one of the things that's been interesting in the last eighteen months, and particularly uh, and quite concerning actually, and particularly sort of in the one up to COP twenty six, is the rhetoric has soared like never before. I mean, you know, we have seen you know every company kind of queue up ready to give their pledges to go net zero by a certain date you know pretty much every world leader every politician will want to say how much they deeply care about the planet and so on but there's a massive gulf between that rhetoric and reality at the moment i mean certainly amongst politicians but the same is true 
in parts of the corporate world. And I think, you know, it's good to have to get, get the rhetoric right. I'm not going to dismiss that. You know, you need the speeches first and you need the leaders to say this is important. We need to do this stuff. And that's often where it kind of starts. But we haven't yet seen the follow through at scale and and really embedded yet in the way that lives up to that rhetoric. I mean, you know, phrases we've heard many times over the last 18 months is, you know, this is an emergency. Uh, we've got to move fast. You know, that uh, is the most important issue the whole world is facing. In no way are we seeing the action that measuring up to that kind of rhetoric. Um, so there's a long way to go in delivery compared to uh, the words that we're getting at the moment. And I, I think that has become clearer, unfortunately, in the last 18 months than, than ever before. Although at least at least we are in a place where the arguments, <laughs> the words seem to be right now. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think that's a, an amazing point, um, that the kind of knowledge doing gap uh, you know, is, is, is still very, very wide, but there's a general consensus that it's, it's something that's in, extremely important. Um, uh, Sally, what, what do you think about the sort of knowledge and your know, doing gap? Like, have you seen that? Uh, have you seen that to be especially wide, or do you think we're closing it and making progress? I think we are making progress. I think part of that we we can see it in different ways. So I totally take on board the comments right now. I think they're really really important. But I think we're starting to move past that. Partly because I think a consumers are getting more conscious, and more aware, and more able to make comparisons between what different organisations are saying. For example, I think one of the other things is some of the conversations about sustainability. If we go back 18, 20 months, um, they were more around the edge. Now they're truly being embedded, and they're you know front and centre. Um, whether it's a keynote speech at an event, um, whether it's around some of the reporting that's coming out, but they're getting better. People are looking for more tangibles. They can make comparisons between them. They're asking better questions. I think things around some of the data literacy we talked about in a previous conversation, Tim comes into that a little bit as well. So this embedding, I think, is a really important point. People are expecting more, they're demanding more, and they want it to be backed up. So it's not just talking about what actions are going to be done. It's backing that up with, with clear commitment, but also with accountability. That's always the next stage with things like this as well. I think we're starting to see it through some of the surveys as well. You know, what consumers are looking for in brands? Um, there's a new resonance around, you know, for example, it's not just the quality of the product or the service or the experience, it's the purpose and the values that a brand represents. And there's evidence as well that things like, you know, brand love, for example, people are more prepared to walk away if you haven't got that values alignment there. And once organizations are seeing that, again, that's a massive driver for, for innovation. Um, so I think that's important. But also seeing from some of my conversations with CPOs and CIOs as well, a link between tech roles and sustainability outcomes and showing they've actually got a real responsibility and impact and can make a difference and have agency in those roles as well. And that, I think, is also important to make change happen. So I think research is backing it up. We've got changing expectations and behaviours. And so if those um, sources of innovation are coming direct from uh, sorry, consumers or, or stakeholder partners, that is a new source to make change happen, not just something that's mandated from government, for example. I think that's helping to create um, new vector of change. Brilliant. Thanks. Uh, Offaly, would, would you like to um, sort of comment on, on what you've heard from Craig and, and Sally? Yeah, I agree with, with what they highlighted. I can definitely see that there's more intensity to the debate, to the conversation, and that we're also moving really like from conversations to sometimes as well regulation, new frameworks, but as well sometimes to action. We have seen recently actions again against greenwashing. 
brands are being called off. Um, brands are being fined. There was in Italy um, a couple months ago an energy company that was being that has been fined um, for greenwashing. This is a huge move. I think the, the fact that you cannot just market your product or your solution as green and people. I mean, we have seen that people are more aware and more educated about what is sustainability. And I think this is extremely positive. We've also seen that a major oil and gas company has been has been ordered by a court to reduce its CO2 emission. I mean, this is a major move as well. So I think we are definitely headed in the right direction, but that more and more needs to be done and that will need more bold and courageous leaders to drive that change. Yeah, no, so, so, so Craig, would you... I accept what you're saying just at the beginning that obviously your time is pressing. Um, but is it a case of these things take time, but we don't feel like we have time? And all the accountability, the education, um, you're measuring it and, you know, um, following on from the words to take action and for people to kind of understand what that is, that is data literacy and things like that. You know, is this just, you know, it's going to take, you know, 12 months or so to really kind of, um, you know, make the changes that you want to see, or, or do you feel like just more needs to be done straight away? People are trying to ignore the the issue still. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what I think is a, a, an interesting. There's always been a huge challenge in this area around sustainability, and in some respects, it's kind of unique to a lot of the sort of in the history of social change, if you like. Is you can absolutely make an argument that. Uh, we've made faster progress on this agenda than on almost any other social change agenda over the last, you know, 33, uh, four decades. I mean, the modern environmental movement in many respects was really born in the early 1970s after the first uh, moon landings and the pictures of Earth sort of reframed the way from space, reframed the way people think about uh, sort of the, the sense that we've got to live fairly on one planet. And in that period of time, you can argue we've made very fast progress. And you can argue that in the business community, there's been quite a lot of transformation over the last 10, 20 years around this agenda. The problem is, and this is how it's different to so many other issues, is that on this agenda, there is a ticking clock and it, it's going in the opposite direction, which is that you know, um, what really matters is not whether we're doing better than we've done in the past. What really matters is whether we're doing enough to meet those sort of hard environmental limits and those environmental trends. And we're not nowhere near on that. Um, I mean, you know, just looking at the news today, two bits of news I saw today was that uh, new figures for oil production in the US are out today and they're the highest that they've ever been. Uh, so despite all the kind of commitments from Biden and from American companies to move away from oil and all of these kind of things, actually what's really happening is the U.S. is pumping more oil today than it ever has. And emissions are higher now than they've ever been. And they haven't fallen yet. And, uh, and that's what really matters. And so I think what you have to do on these issues is hold lots of contradictory things on, in your head all at the same time, because it is all a bit contradictory. We are making lots of progress in some areas, but also things are still going in the wrong direction. And, you know, those we, we can't deny either bits of that agenda. We have to go much faster and we have to really make sure that it starts to turn bend the curve on the, these trends and things. 
we're all humans. People will need time to get their head around this, to learn the skills, to learn the techniques and so on, to embed change. Change in organisations doesn't happen overnight. I know that. Um, but we have to be honest. We're not moving fast enough at the moment. So we've got to move, move a lot faster, despite lots of good efforts and lots of good people. Yeah, I think that's really interesting uh, what you said that's holding contradictory arguments in your head because I couldn't couldn't agree more. It's it's, it's such a massive uh, topic, and obviously you've mentioned government. You know, it, it's really important for them to act, not to make those big speeches. And awfully, you're talking about the fines that they're now administrating um, on some energy companies. Um, I'd love to. Uh, switch to what brands can be doing to be more sustainable uh, obviously obviously you work for uh, for Siemens um, you don't have to talk directly about Siemens it can be just in general but you know, what can brands be doing to be more sustainable you talked about your 125 metrics you know measurement with a, a, a report um, yeah I'd love to get your take on how brands can make a difference be they big or, or large or small brands yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I mean, when you look at the role of the private sector in some developing markets, they represent up to 60% of the GDP, 90% of jobs. So their impact can be enormous. Um, so, I mean, there are so many things that they could do, you know, like looking at supply chain and purpose and whatsoever. But I'm going to look, I mean, look at two points specifically, which I believe matter a lot. Um, so first, yeah, it's establishing the right reporting framework when it comes to ESG so that it's comparable, trackable, measurable, that's clear and transparent for the general public, for your customer, for the consumers, whatever business you're in. So I think that's really a prerequisite, like your license to operate, having a reporting framework and reporting on those targets after whether it's up to, you know, I mean, there, there are different level of reporting. And I think if we can, uh, I mean, reach an agreement where we would all have a standardized reporting framework, we would already be in a much stronger position, but that's in an ideal world. So first for corporation, definitely adopting, if you haven't done already, um, a reporting framework. There are many of them out there that are hugely recognized, proven, like the Dangerous Sustainability Index, GRI, many others, the one that is good for your industry. And um, recently at Siemens, we have also included, I mean, launched a new one. Uh, it's this 360-degree ESG framework that we called Degree, and it is really catering to all our stakeholders and ultimately to the planet as well. So it's capturing all the interactions and transformation within the ecosystem and ensuring that you know we are able to highlight and oversee the whole impact. So every letter in Degree in our ESG framework relates to a specific dimension that matters to us as a company. Um, so it starts obviously with decarbonization and ethics and governments and resource efficiency, employability, and, uh, and many other elements. And I think having this common ground and being able as well to highlight it internally, to explain it to your employees is a huge way um, as well to drive sustainability forward and um, make sure that this, you know, like you're really able to highlight how important it is. And for us with Siemens, it's all about technology with purpose. So this is something um, that we translate through that framework. The other element, which I think is really important for, for corporations, for brands, is also to some extent to be able to link um, compensation with um, ESG targets. So there are many ways of doing that. Um, 
We've been pioneering with Siemens as well in that space when it comes to executive bonuses. And um, it's linked to actually three elements. Um, so obviously, um, CO2 target um, reductions. But as well, it doesn't stop there. Um, it's, it's, it's more than that. It's also linked to learning hours because this is also about cultivating a growth mindset within the organization, educating you know, your teams, your people and whatnot, and as well NPS, the net promoter score. That's a relationship and impact with the customers. So you need to capture all those three dimensions to be able really to progress um, and to bring sustainability forward together with your purpose. So I would say those are the two main elements, but there are many, many other aspects as well that brands could cover. Sure. No, it's a big question. Um, those are two uh, wonderful points. Thank you for that. Sally, what do you think about what brands can do to be more sustainable? Yeah, great, great question. So one example was with Siemens, actually, that came out of COP26 was the Clean Air Alliance. I think that's a fantastic one because it really shows how organisations, sometimes that might have been competitive in the past, can come together for a shared goal. So that was one I definitely wanted to mention. I think that's fantastic. Um, another one, and again, collaboration is Pathfinder. This is a way to do safe data exchange across different partners. There's around 35 involved in that at the moment, IBM being one of the founders there. And again, this kind of co-creation, collaboration, data share, is really huge to get past some of the sticking points and to really you know turn data volume to data value so i think that's hugely important as well um i'd also say using your sphere of influence so for the example there about kpis and linking that to remuneration at c-suite i think it's a great one i think we can do the same thing about who we're partnering with in the ecosystem as well embedding these types of um values in terms of almost making it kind of a rite of passage for partnership if you know what i mean across the supply chain i think that's a really interesting one as well also linking um, community action with your vision and mission. So as an example, e-waste is a huge problem. Um, organizations like Dell have turned that to an opportunity, partnering with a bleeding edge startup, converting something that's a negative, so pollution, for example, and soot from diesel exhaust, using it to convert it to packaging, reducing costs and reducing pollution at the same time. So there's lots of pragmatic things we can do, but also inspiring people, frankly, as well, and putting technology to good use. So our project. Um, I was looking at that at CES very recently, um, and it's a combination of organizations like Marine AI, ProMare and IBM using technology, the latest emergent technologies, bringing them together, taking literally an autonomous vehicle to, to, to see, using that to do research um, you know, about microplastics as one example, but at the same time, inspiring the next generation of young tech talent as well to say, hey, do you know what? I could do that. So again, a link between sustainability and inclusion in that particular one. So I think it's all around finding right ways to make a difference that relates to your brand mission, communicating that, getting your audience involved in it as well. Um, but yeah, it's tech as a force for good and making sure that measurement's in place. It's absolutely huge. And we're seeing a lot of great sustainability reports out there at the moment but what i like to see is when it goes really granular and when you can benchmark where that came from so i recommend geotab as an example of that it really shows going back to 2019 where the data came from so it's a real opportunity to to help you do that in the right way so that it's tangible it's transparent and it doesn't, doesn't just make a commitment in words it's actually accountable and you're actually sharing where there is a challenge along the way as well because people want to see that that's what builds trust yeah, I think I think all of these examples are, are truly inspiring. I love the educational aspect and getting all the sort of new talent, you know, really uh, sort of keyed into this and feeling connected with the with, with the brand story. Um, Craig, what, what do you think are the biggest challenges that brands face with trying to be more sustainable? Uh, you've obviously talked about um, governments making really big speeches, but you know, then sometimes there's not too much action. Do, do you feel like your brands are 
are wanting to be more sustainable, feeling like they have to, and what are the biggest challenges to uh, to them trying to uh, to actually become you know far more sustainable in the longer term? Well, I've um, over the years I've sort of boiled it down to seven kind of questions <laughs> that I think all brands need to think about if you really, really, genuinely want to be sustainable. And you know, the 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 preface to that is that if it's about being is it about being sustainable is it being a bit less harmful than perhaps in the past and i think that's the that's the big first of a mind shift to think about is this about reducing the negative impacts a little bit or is it about overall having a positive impact on people and the environment and if it's the latter which of course it should be to be truly sustainable i would say they've got to think about that across seven kind of key areas the most obvious one is business operations, and that's where so many organisations start. You know, how do we reduce the negative impacts of our business operations? But again, how do you turn that into positive? How is it? How can you make sure that overall your business operations are having a net positive impact on people and environment, not just a little bit worse off? Products and services. How can you actually make sure that your products are net positive, actually contributing to society, contributing? to uh, uh, the environment as well. And of course, all the way through those supply chains as well. Um, echoing some of the things that Sally was just saying there, what about staff training, recruitment, engagement, and rewards? You know, How many companies are actually offering bonuses for staff on sustainability performance at the moment? I mean, some do, I know of uh, some that do, and I know a handful of chief execs of big companies that get bonuses related to sustainability performance, but sadly, it's a precious few, really, at the moment. And that, if we're really serious about it, you know, actually, it should be the number one thing that we're giving rewards and bonuses about, about training, you know, uh, there's no doubt that when you when you work for a business, you'll get your training in health and safety, because it's incredibly important. But what about the training on uh, sustainability matters as well, hugely important. The fourth is, of course, getting the metrics right, the knowledge management and reporting. Again, this is so often where a lot of the sustainability professionals, I, I think, get a bit stuck, and it becomes a there's a, I've often seen it become an end in its own right. I mean, it's very important, but it only should be as a tool for delivering particular outcomes and comparability, but it is important to get it right. The fifth, I would say, is around communications, around honesty in communications and stakeholder engagement, both internal communications within the company and externally as well, and really good stakeholder and community engagement around uh, that whole area of business operations, products, services, and so on. Uh, that's crucially important and being honest and putting hands up when, when companies get things wrong because everyone will from time to time and you can always spot the companies that are serious about this gender when they're honest about the mistakes they've made and they want to learn from it but then the last two are arguably perhaps the most important for me one which is is interaction with public policy uh, i mean sally said again use your sphere of influence but you know if we really believe that what's needed to to transform uh, to a sustainable society is system change. And this is the language that we've heard from plenty of politicians and businesses over the last few years. It's not just going to be done through companies acting on their own or just through consumer choices. We are going to need big changes to the way our world economy is wired. And that's only going to come about if business is out there leading the charge for that changing and rewiring the economy. So let's see some really responsible, transparent, lobbying from business for these big system changes in the global economy that are needed and we've seen that through initiatives like the corporate leaders group through we mean business through lots of kind of positive approaches 
to changing that. Uh, but uh, it's still, I think it's an area where we need to see a lot more maturity from business around how it engages in public policy in a, in, a, in a truly transformative and positive way that links to sustainability agenda. And finally, uh, I, we know we talk about it a lot now, but purpose, you know, what's the purpose of your business ultimately? What's your business model, your business strategy? Is it fully aligned with uh, a role in a sustainable world? And if it's not, your, your, your company's not gonna be sustainable. So those are just, you know, I, I think, you know, seven headings that I think are really, really important for every company that wants to be serious about this agenda to, to think deeply about and to measure progress on. Yeah, you know, I, I love that. I love that last point about the the purpose, and I wanted to pick up on on that and sort of move to uh, to social media and also uh, the the presence of sort of influencers and experts you know in this particular your field. I mean, all three of you are very influential on the topic of environmental sustainability. Um, Sally is a, a quite often external influencer for tech brands and obviously hopefully working for a tech brand and, and Craig, your CEO of a, uh, of a, of a nature charity, um, environmental charity. And so um, what do you think, um, uh, how, how important do you think it is for you know, execs and subject matter experts and people like yourself to be on social media talking about this and galvanizing the whole debate? You're talking to a millennial again, you know, we love online activism, so <laughs> that's kind of what, what we do. Um, so, you know, I think it's it's super important because it's about connecting the dots, about, the dots about, you know, bringing all the ecosystems together, shedding lights maybe on specific technologies um, and um, and bringing, yeah, bringing to light um, what some companies are doing, some best practices educating um, people around us. I educate myself as well via social media. So it really, it, it's hugely important and social media is a great platform to do that. Um, but it's just one platform, one way. I think there are many others, um, but definitely a, a very influential one. Great, and, and uh, Craig, you, you were one of the UK's top social media CEOs. Have you? What kind of effect have you seen from your presence on on social media, from you uh, employees joining your organization through to conversations and outcomes that have just happened as a result of you being present? Oh, I mean, you know, I think I find it hard to imagine now how I ever did my job before social media, if I'm honest, or how anyone else did it, you know. And I suppose I'm old enough that I've had a bit of working life before it existed and a lot of working life since. Uh, so I can kind of make the comparisons. But, you know, when I first started as a professional environmental campaigner in the late 1990s, believe it or not, um, you know, we would still sort of get send press releases to journalists by fax, for example. I mean, it just seems so quaint now, doesn't it? And, um, you know, we would get very excited in a, in a campaign team when we got a, had a database, by which I mean an Excel spreadsheet of a few thousand people on it that we might, you know, send a, a mailing update to once every three months or something um, about a campaign. And, and that just seems so ridiculous now in comparison to how we're sort of always on and always engaging external audiences now. And it's two way, of course, it's not just about broadcast, it's about, it's about conversation, it's about discussion and debate and learning from others and so on. And that's so hugely important. And and you know now, of course, I can tweet or put a message on LinkedIn, and immediately it goes to tens of thousands of people, and immediately I get engagement and reaction. 
and people tell me I'm right or they might say something else and um, uh, but actually it's quite a good test as well you know it's, it's a way that I test out messaging um, and I see which kind of messaging lands or doesn't land before maybe I use it in more traditional broadcast media um, and in TV and radio interviews and so on but I mean, even just in that interaction with media now is, is that, I mean, it's probably been happening for 10 years now, but I, rather than having to stick up, negotiate a press release internally and stick it out of a fax machine to the, to the, to the press, I can find now, I will tweet instantly what I think about something. And I have plenty of national journalists follow me. And, and sometimes a tweet that I've made becomes a story in a national newspaper, you know, it's just so much faster and so much more exciting and you feel really connected with people. Yes, of course, there's all the sort of downsides and unfortunate aspects around social media as well, which we're all familiar with and you've got to manage and be very careful of. And I certainly have periods of the year when I detox and go offline uh, for once or two for my summer holiday and around normally a week around Christmas and so on. I pretty much switch off entirely. I think that's an important thing to do. But um, I can't imagine how I'd do my job otherwise these days. Yeah, it's changed so much, isn't it? It's amazing. And and, and Sally, if uh, if a tech brand or any particular brand came to you, you wanted to contract your services as a as an external influential expert, and wanted to run a campaign or program on sustainability, um, what would it, what would be the most inspiring sort of campaign or initiative for you to get involved in? Oh, that's a great question. That's a lovely one. And in fact, in fact there's one I'm involved at the moment, going back to, to the, the Mayflower ship, for example. Um, and as, uh, that for me brings together those three pillars I, I did in the introduction. We've got the latest and emergent technology coming together and integrating. You've got education, inspiration, curiosity. And, and as a result of that, I'm already hearing of people who are reaching out to an organisation saying, Do you know what, there's a values alignment there. That's the sort of place I actually want to work from. So it's not even just around you know, products and services, that talent um, onboarding, for example, as well, because people are looking for that values alignment so yeah i love projects where you can bring together the latest in technology education inspiration curiosity and genuine social impact commitment as well that's you know it's genuinely authentic so yeah i love projects where you can bring those three things together and you're showing you know going back to some of the points so far you're building community around a theme that really people care about so much we've all had time to reflect over the last couple of years you know let's use social media as a power as an influence that sphere of influence i mentioned earlier let's use that in the right way to build community around Around this bring people together show you're actively listening um, and scale these projects very genuinely and be very transparent it's these three pillars again i said earlier transparency commitment um, and accountability and i think this community can be very powerful to do exactly that and respond to people real time and also show individual employees as well that they have agency to make a difference as well so this community word i think is absolutely key here Amazing. No, I think I think that's uh, I think that would be an amazing initiative to be part of, and uh, you know I Absolutely. hope you get lots of opportunity, um, you know, to to be able to follow through on that. Um, Awfully, um, a lot of people are talking about uh, tech brands in particular, all chasing the sustainability marketing opportunity. Um, what what do you think your know, tech brands need to do to differentiate themselves and? and not be seen as people that are kind of ticking the box in terms of maybe their content marketing strategy um, and rather kind of embedding it as a practice. But also, obviously, that external brand perception is really important on social media when it comes to current and future employees and customers and partners. So obviously, that online perception is absolutely key. What, uh, absolutely key. What do you think the, the, the key... Um, uh, 
you know, sort of strategy should be to be able to come across as really authentic? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think the one way to do that, and it's really beyond the, the positioning, is really to look inside maybe a bit more, looking at the power of employees, looking at how your employees could potentially become your strongest sustainability advocates. And there is where we could see a shift a little bit as well. And uh, Craig, you mentioned that a little bit and Sally as well, how we could shift maybe from, you know, like shareholder activism towards more employee activism, because your employee are your most, I mean, powerful resource. We're all talking about people driven organization. And this is where it starts. It starts again with the purpose and how you can really communicate this from within. Um, educate your employees as well, your people on sustainability, sustainability reporting, what is truly our purpose, what do we want to achieve there, maybe even co-create together, look at the purpose of specific products. And then, you know, when you're able to do that together as an organization from the start, it will come across more authentic along the way when you bring this product to market or when you talk about it. Um, so I think that's really the shift that we might see with tech brands. It's really, you know, like, a stronger focus on employee activism. Um, and this would be a major, major plus for companies because it will strengthen the sense of belonging, you know, like uh, retention as well. You will be able to attract the, the best talents to, to your teams. Um, and there, those, those brands then will come across as ultimately stronger. Results might be stronger as well. Um, and that I think that would be a great winning combination. Great, fantastic. So we've got education at the top. We've got employee activism and, you know, sustainability in the in the heart of the business model to be able to drive that change through at every single pillar of the of the organizations uh, so I, I think we're we're really coming up to, to to time so i'd just love to get any sort of closing uh comments on what you what the outlook is like over the next 12 months uh, i'd love to get some some closing comments from you craig on on how you see things evolving and you know whether uh whether you're um, you're positive for um, for how things are going to play out. Well, again, you're asking for binary answers when I've already said you, you have to hold lots of things in your head all at the same time. It's very complicated. I'll tell you what I would say is this. Um, if you think we just had COP26 and, you know, I was at COP26 and I found myself reflecting on, on that, that, you know, um, even just at, Cop at the Copenhagen talks in 2009, all the talk then was, can we possibly hold to two degrees above uh, warming, above pre-industrial levels? And when some of the small island developing states said, no, it's going to be 1.5 degrees, and some of the NGOs said that, people said, you're mad, we'll never achieve that. You're going to bring down the talks and all this kind of stuff. And then at the Paris talks in 2015, there was a lot more of a sort of focus around 1.5, but there was still a debate, you know, is it aspirational and so on? And it's very hard. No one would disagree. It's going to be unbelievably hard. But at Glasgow COP, what happened is everyone completely agreed. We've got to, we've got to go for 1.5 degrees. And, and now we're just not debating whether we should or shouldn't. It's how on earth we manage to do that, how we ramp up the pledges to do that. And, you know, 15 years ago, we were on course for, six seven degrees warming in terms of the pledges that governments were making now we're on on target for still about three degrees warming and that's terrible you know we need governments to do a lot more and companies to do a lot more to get us to 1.5 but you know a certain amount of progress is being made if you put all that together what does this mean for companies 
I would say it's we ain't seen nothing yet. You know, the demands for targets will be to tighten and tighten and tighten. Don't anyone think that, oh, we've all agreed net zero by 2050 now and that's where it will end. No, the demands from civil society, from scientists and so on will be that every business has to have net zero target of at least 2040. And by the way, then that won't be good enough and you have to bring it forward to 2035 and 2030 and so on. You know, actually it's going to get tougher and tougher the demands on business about what's going to be achieved here because we're still off track from doing what the planet needs us to do uh now you can find that scary or you can find that exhilarating and exciting and a massive opportunity depending what your role is in a company and what your business is and so on i find it exciting because i think as i said this is all about us trying to work out whether this civilization that we happen to be in now if you can call it that um is actually going to try and achieve the next step of human progress and what a thing to go for it's exciting great no i, I totally totally understand that there's that, that there's there's a binary uh, perception and obviously this is such a grave uh, issue that it's something that uh, progress is not enough. You know, obviously, um, there, there's a lot of issues that need to be tackled. So I totally hear what you're saying. So, Sally, what do you think over the next 12 months? What are your what's your outlook? Yeah, I, I'm I'm on the optimistic side. I, I have to say, and, and for a number of reasons, you see different vectors of change. I think coming together. So on one side, as we just mentioned, there there's some things around governance. So ISSB, for example, the International Standards Board, they announced at COP26 new standards that will relate to financial markets. So better ESG investment, better measurement side of things we talked about earlier. That's important. Um, companies themselves are asking for new compliance um, regulation around sustainability as well to show how they're making a difference. That's important but consumers are more conscious employees are more conscious and getting more agency around these subjects as well you put all these together the power of social media communities as well real time this is a kind of a i don't normally mention this phrase but just this once forgive me tipping point but we have this tipping point of, of different vectors coming together that's really kind of changing the narrative about what sustainability look like it's not this periphery subject it's not something that's siloed it's becoming baked in and we can't just talk about it we need to have tangible action that are measurable, they're consistently measurable across companies. And we're starting to see steps forward in this direction. So I think we're really going to the right place. Two really quick things from me. I've got some new research that's on these kind of KPI measurements as well with my kind of research hat on for a second. That's really, I'm hoping, going to help um, kind of look at the, how you do these value um, um, relationships between organisations. There's a lot of collaboration around that. And I think it's really going to hope to make those comparisons so you can make educated choices around things around ESG. Um, and I've also got a book called Tech for Good that's all for charity that's showcasing not just the tech, but people and stories that are making a difference. And I hope that will inspire people to get involved in this industry as well and say, hey, I can make a difference too. So that's completely non-for-profit, but I just want to make a shout about that because it's something I yeah, massively care about. Great. Thanks, Sally. And over to you, Offaly, for the last uh, closing, closing comments on the next 12 months. Yeah, well, I mean, not that long ago, we've st still seen how some CEO were being ousted by, you know, activist investors for trying to make their companies more sustainable. So I hope that we see a big shift from there that, um, you know, boards are more sensitive to ESGs, that maybe we can align on some specific metrics, like you mentioned before, Sally, as well. Um, hopefully as well, I mean, again, in an ideal world, we would also have a cost for carbon. So we could associate as well, you know, like if it's something, if you really have a cost associated with it, 
um, then you can really measure it. You can factor it into decision making at one point. Um, you can, you know, facilitate, I mean, the transition, um, the carving out of specific uh, elements as well. So that would definitely facilitate and accelerate the whole transition. So, um, yeah, that is something that I wish to, to see in the, in, the coming, uh, in the coming months. Who knows? Um, but we can all make a difference as well at our own level. And, and this is why I'm very positive and optimistic. And we all have a chance as well to influence that. So, yeah, I'm an optimist. And um, I think we'll see hopefully more and more change. And together we can accelerate the transition. Great. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, you know, Craig Offley and Sally for, for coming to speak to us. It's a really inspiring conversation on such an important topic. Um, and what we'll do at Analytica is keep on analyzing the social media debate uh, to see you know, which brands are coming out you know, with a positive perception. Try to hold brands account you know, in terms of their, their online perception, the content they're pushing out, and encourage them to, to work with influencers and experts to, to create inspiring content, to, to try and do our bit to, to, to push this really important topic. So thank you to everyone who's listening. And you're know, really amazing to get you know, three uh, uh, amazing speakers and influential experts in their own right. So thank you to everyone that's listening, and thank you to, to you three. Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you. Thanks, bye.